And the first thing Satan says, again, we're reminded, the first word he says is that if, little two-letter word, if you are the Son of God, and maybe this is part of what Jesus is struggling with and praying about out there in the wilderness. I mean, if you are the Son of God, then what? But the serpent said to the woman in this ancient, familiar text, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of the fruit of the forbidden tree, that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> this is, of course, our story. Uh, we are ever inclined to declare ourselves above the law, whether or not we happen to be a, a king or a president, we most often refer to this act of disobedience in the Garden of Eden as the fall. Huh? That's the way, it's kind of shorthand way of referring to it, the fall or the fall of humankind. But what we really see in this story, and I think when we're honest so often in our own lives, is not so much a falling down from a previously, you know, elevated place we had been occupying. Not so much a falling down, but more of an effort to get too big for our britches. Huh? A kind of storming of heaven, if you will. Of course, the story of the Garden of Eden is at least as much about God as it is about us, and so we are... Uh, aware that God continues to care for Adam and Eve after they are put out of the garden, for instance. Grace from the beginning. Uh, ever since this first encounter of wills took place in the Garden of Eden, it's been clear that this is a fundamental part of every human being, this tendency to struggle against God's stated will for us. Of, of the parameters of our existence. If you think about it, the story just keeps continuing to repeat itself throughout scriptures, from Cain and Abel to the Tower of Babel, a kind of literal storming of heaven. You know, let's climb right up there and take a look around, see what's going on. Um, Jacob stealing the blessing from his brother Esau all the way through to uh, uh, the time of the crucifixion, you know, as it approaches, and Jesus has his 12 disciples, but two of them, you know, James and John say, hey, you know, hey, Jesus, uh, these other guys are great. I mean, the whole team, we love them all, but how about you put one of us at your right hand and one at your left when you come into your glory, you see? Over and over again, the story repeats. In spite of our aspirations to power and control, God is determined to give us something better, something more beautiful, and more lasting. So Jesus shows us another way. Today's gospel reading follows right on the baptism of Jesus where he heard the voice of God say, you are my child, you are my son, I love you with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is about to enter now out of the waters of baptism as public ministry. 
And it all lies out ahead of him. But before he gets started, he's tempted out there in the wilderness. We get this story every year. As we begin these 40 days of Lent, as we've entered into them now, the Gospel reading always reminds us that Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit. For 40 days he fasted. I don't know if you've ever tried that. You know, imagine 40 days without eating. The 40 days reminds the faithful, of course, of the 40 days that Moses fasted prior to the receiving of the covenant. The 40 days and nights of rain leading to the flood in the days of Noah. The 40 years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness prior to entering into the Holy Land. For 40 days, Jesus fasted and prayed. Along comes the devil, Matthew tells us, and we shouldn't be surprised. The wilderness is always a place that is unpredictable, if not dangerous. And Jesus is tempted, among other things, out there in the wilderness, just like way back in the Garden of Eden, and everywhere in between there is this power struggle. Jesus is tempted first to make bread from stones in order to gain power over the kingdoms of the world, to prove his own power, he's tempted, and to test God, he's tempted. The world is open to Jesus as he stands at the beginning here of his public ministry. He has big decisions to make, to be sure. He knows that there will be great expectations of him. At his baptism, God has just declared Jesus to be his beloved son, but the devil now is determined to get Jesus to doubt that identity. And look what, when the devil shows up, right? After Jesus has been fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights out in the wilderness, he is weak and tired. He's famished, is the way Matthew puts it. He must have had his mind full of what was to come. And the first thing Satan says, again we're reminded, the first word he says is that if, little two-letter word, if you are the Son of God, and maybe this is part of what Jesus is struggling with and praying about out there in the wilderness, I mean, if you are the Son of God, then what? What do you do first to begin your public ministry in the world? Uh, command this Stone to become bread, the devil tempts. And you know what? At first glance, that's not bad. I mean, if you can turn rocks into bread, bread for all the poor and hungry, and maybe get rid of this tempter all in one fell swoop, a good show of power right now at the outset to show Satan who's arrived in the world, and to give hope to the hungry all at once? Not bad. But Jesus had come for much more than this. And he said that people do not live by bread alone. Satan is relentless. The devil led Jesus up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. 
Again, well, imagine what a just and fair ruler of the kingdoms of the world Jesus would be. He could establish justice and mercy for all. But the price is too high. Bow to me, says the devil, and I'll give you power. I'll give you some control. Well, we might think, okay, well, this is between God and Jesus. This is in the heavenly realms. This is, you know, this is above my, my pay grade. It's not uh, something that I really need to struggle with personally. I'm not sure actually yet in this story where uh, it connects with my life that I'm living right now and I'm going to leave here out in the snowy parking lot and get in my car and go my way. But it's always there. Sacrifice your relationships or family time or self-care or to climb the corporate ladder or earn favor from your boss, get a promotion, buy that thing. Whatever might be competing for your ultimate loyalties. There are a million ways we compromise in pursuit of some power and control. The story just repeats. Jesus recalls the scriptures he learned as a child that is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. If Jesus cannot be tempted to turn stones into bread or be tempted to with the promise of power and influence to rule the kingdoms of the world, then maybe, maybe Jesus can be tempted to Defend the honor of God. That's a good one. This one's crafty. Then the devil took him up to Jerusalem and placed Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and saying to him, if, if, if you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from here, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. At first, I like to point out, notice that Satan is quoting Scripture here. Long, this goes way, way back, the lifting up of a couple of verses to say what we need said. After all, this is what the people are expecting from the Messiah. He will be... A Moses who will lead and feed his people. He will be a David who will rule with justice and might. He will be a son of man who will come on clouds of glory and could jump from the highest peak and the angels would catch him. This is what the people want. Give them what they want, Jesus. If you are the son of God, then... What? What do you do first? How do you enter your public ministry? Jesus answered, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Again, I mean, that's Jesus. You know, Katie's talking to the kids and us about, you know, resisting temptation for candy, stuff that's not good for us. And, you know, that's kind of closer to our realm, right? 
How was Jesus able to withstand the temptations even when they appeared to be providing great opportunities to make the world a better place? How can you and I resist the temptation to give everything we have in pursuit of the illusion of power and control so often measured by some standard of living or consumption or status? We remember. You remember who God declares you to be in your own baptism. And if you have not been baptized, then remember what God says about you in this gospel that we preach every single time we stand behind this pulpit. You are a beloved child of God right now where you sit. Remember, on the night in which he was betrayed, do this for the remembrance of me. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember, we remember who God declares you to be in your baptism. Jesus remembered. He remembered who he was. You are my son whom I love. And Jesus simply refused to doubt that identity in the world. About to be spoken in these waters for my friend Jesse, child of God. God loves you. Jesus was on his way to be the Messiah, all right, but he would not be the Messiah that the people were yearning for, nor the one they were expecting, not the Messiah the devil was tempting him to be. Jesus was not on his way to rule at the palace or the temple or to stand in front of an army and lead it. He was not after mansions of glory. Jesus was on his way to the cross. And on his way, he would not rule kingdoms, not rule kingdoms or armies. On his way to the cross, he'll wash dirty feet. On his way to the cross, he would touch the ritually impure people, taking into himself what they have. He would break bread with the outcast and the unclean and the condemned, sharing table fellowship with them. On his way to the cross, Jesus would not do tricks to prove his power, but he would believe his Father and be the Son. Jesus would call people together and teach them about the kingdom of God. He would love the unlovable. He would forgive the unforgivable and call people to repent and become new. Jesus was always downwardly mobile, giving away power, giving away control, giving himself away. And on his way to the cross, this is the whole point, the whole point of everything we do, the whole reason this place exists, on his way to the cross, Jesus would come for you and for me.
to tell us who we are. In Christ, we are welcomed back into the garden where there is beauty and grace and abundance and community and enough for everybody. Enough for you. Always enough. Amen. So uh, Tuesday morning, I, I preached, pretending like it was Ash Wednesday prior to the storm so we could record the service. And the room was empty, though, you know, subsequently the service has received several hundred views. Uh, but being back here today with all of you here with me, I can say this is much better. Um, it's just wonderful to be physically in proximity to one another as we open up God's word together. The other thing is when we pre-record those services, there's a part of your brain that knows if you do something or say something or miss something, you can go back and run it again, right? Nick can edit it out. But there will come a day, I'm quite sure, where this blooper reel will appear and, and it'll have a lot of me on there saying, oh crap, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, at some point that'll emerge. But, you know, it reminds us that we are given the opportunity to start again. Uh, or remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We said on Ash Wednesday, and if you would like to receive those ashes, Pastor Natalia will be over at the prayer station if you'd like to receive them even now because it is a lifelong uh, journey that we make together. And we are reminded that before we get ourselves all worked up about how well we're doing or how much we know or how faithful we are, God comes and says, you are mine. Uh, Jesse's mine. This one's mine now and forever, uh, no matter what. Uh, that's just a great promise we all walk around with. If you haven't received that promise of baptism, let uh, Jesse's witness and bravery here this morning inspire you to come and say, hey, how, how might I be baptized? And we'll get right to it. In the meantime, all of you, are God's beloved children. And so do we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.